Well, welcome again, church, to our midweek devotional refresh. We're working our way through Mark's gospel, close-ups of Jesus, through the lens of Mark's gospel. The idea in developing these was just kind of to, to show a pattern for how to read the Bible and study it devotionally, where ideas are just simple ideas lifted out of the text, take a clump of verses, see the main idea, take another clump, see another idea. And the thinking here relates to that big picture that I mentioned a few weeks ago where Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he talks about beholding the glory of the Lord. And and then he says, and as we do that, believers, beholding the glory of the Lord, and it doesn't mean seeing him physically, he means seeing him in the word. Jesus was already ascended and gone physically. Beholding the glory of the Lord, disciples, studiers are are transformed, Paul says, from one degree of glory to another. So there's this gradual growth. That's what we're after, spiritual growth. And he says it happens from looking at Jesus, studying Jesus, seeing the beauty of Jesus. So that's what we've been doing for the past six weeks. We're in Mark chapter 4. And the topic I kind of want to pursue tonight is knowing how spiritual growth happens and, and why it matters. This text that we're going to be studying, we're going to pick it up at Mark 4.21. And the text follows right on the heels of the parable of the soils. Jesus said, uh, a sower sows the seed. Luke identifies the seed as the word. And it lands in different kinds of hearts. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It's, it's a fruit-producing, growing, developing seed. But in three out of four soils... It doesn't produce the kind of growth that's intended. And so that's what Jesus has just been talking about. And now he picks up the same subject, but with some different pictures, some different imagery. So point number one, Jesus has more to teach us about hearing the word. Mark 4, 21. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? And not on a stand, a lampstand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. That's the idea of, of the word. It's to bring things to light. It's to make things manifest. If anyone has ears, let them, let them hear. So, In the parable of the soils, we learn that even good soil, it can be rendered kind of useless if obstacles like uh, the rocks under the surface, we talked about that, the things no one else sees that are under the surface of our lives and the word wants to root those out. Or if if, uh, things like weeds that that grow up and and choke the the seed and, and make it unfruitful. So, Now the image is different. The image is a lamp, a lamp that's lit. And just as surely as the purpose of a lamp is to bring light into a room, can you imagine a dark room? There's no light. You light a lamp. The idea is to give light to the whole room. You don't take it and put it under a bed. And so what Jesus is pointing to is just the silliness, the silliness of not receiving growth from the seed and not seeing light from a lamp. Now, the difference in those two pictures is a very subtle one. 
the lamp, a guy lights it, and then he takes the lamp and deliberately puts it under a bed. And you can't help but just think, how foolish, how ridiculous, how counterproductive. So the light gets extinguished for all practical purposes. The lamp doesn't fulfill its purpose of revealing. Now, the, the seed, the seed doesn't, doesn't, doesn't grow because of the obstructions in the soil, but those aren't done intentionally. I mean, usually, the things that crop up in our hearts, like Luke identifies the thorns as the desires of the heart and the pursuit of riches. Uh, we, we, we don't mean, we don't intend to choke out the growth of the word. But what Jesus is saying is that gradual darkening of the understanding of the word, though unintentional, gradual, just the result of carelessness, is just as foolish as lighting a lamp and putting it under a bed so there's no light in the house. So he's underscoring how absurd it is not to allow a lamp to give the kind of light that it's meant to give. Look at point number two. Verses 24 and 25. He's going to talk about how the, the way, how the way we hear becomes habitual and sets up a pattern in our hearts. Look at verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. So it's not just enough to hear it. Notice that distinction. He's not just saying be careful to hear. He's saying be careful to pay attention to what you hear. So, so uh, really hearing isn't just an academic issue. It's an issue of Understanding what the text says, but then making sure you're paying attention to what the text says. Pay attention to what you hear, 24. With the measure you use it, all right, so it's not just grasping it, not just exegeting a text and getting meaning from it, but, but using it. Pay attention that you're using it. Because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you as you use the word. Learn it and then use it. And Jesus says it's like that good soil, remember, that, that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. So more will be added. But it isn't just an issue of intellectually understanding. That's just a starting point, learning what the text says. But pay attention to use it. Then more will be added. 25 of Matthew 4, for to the one who has more will be given. There's that idea again. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And that, that's the idea of maybe you read it, maybe you hear it in some, some form or another, in a church, out of a church, in devotions. But, but if it's not heeded, if it's not really paid attention to, well, I read my devotions, I got it done, I read the assigned chapter, I got that done. But if you don't pay attention to heed it, not only do you not grow, you lose, he says. Even what you had will be taken away. So I think in verses 24 and 25, Jesus is setting up two key ideas. He says we need to be careful what we hear. Pay attention to what you hear. So uh, the thorns, the things that choke out the word, 
the wayside soil where the seed just lies on the surface, remember? And Jesus says the birds come and they snatch it up. And then Luke identifies those birds as Satan, the enemy. So pay attention to what you hear. Look at what you're listening to. Is, is, is all your attention going to TV? Is all your attention going to uh, your, 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 your podcast? Is all your attention going to Netflix? Is all your attention going to the concerns of this world? Pay attention to what you're hearing. So we need to make sure that the word gets equal footing in our lives. And, and the second thing in that verse, I said there were two things. We need to be careful about what we do with what we hear. It's that lamp analogy. You you don't put it under a bed. You don't read and forget. You don't procrastinate. You don't skip Bible reading. The lamp is lit. It's set on a lampstand. There's an intentionality, a commitment to lightening up the room. James talks about this in James 1, to 24. He says, but be, be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's a self-deception. I have it, you have it. And the deception is, it's enough. There, I, I, I heard the word in a, in a sermon, in a class. I Heard it as I read it by my bed at night. I heard it. And, and there's a kind of deception that says there, that's, that's enough. Um, we don't usually say that to ourselves. We, ju- we just assume because we read the word, we'll automatically obey it at some point down the road. And so, so James says, you can't just hear the word lightly like that because that deceives yourself. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So be careful what you're hearing. Be careful that the word has its voice in your life. And then be careful about what you do with the word. Those are the two things that he's talking about in verses 24 and 25. Point number three. I love this. In verses 26 to 29, spiritual growth is not out of our reach. Look at this little um, illustration that Jesus gives. 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So there's that same image, right? The soil. He sleeps and rises night and day, so time passes. And the seed sprouts. And grows. He knows not how. I mean, who can explain that mystery of fertility that that God puts in the soil and in the seed? The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So he knows how to sow the seed. He knows how to harvest the seed. But the point of this little illustration, Jesus says, there's a power in the seed. There's not a farmer in the world that makes that seed grow. It, 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 it happens. God brings it about. It has its own life. And that's what Jesus is promising. Get this word. Hear it. Pay attention to how you're hearing it. Get the obstacles out of your heart. 
Make sure you apply it to your life. Make sure it's like a lampstand that you, you don't put under the bed, but you put it in the middle of the room. Why, Jesus? What is so important here? Because that seed has life in it, and it will grow, and it will multiply. So I'm not just limited to my own weaknesses, my own inabilities, and my own failures, circumstances that seem to pile up higher that I can't see over the top. How is this word going to help? He said, you can't understand that. And a farmer can't understand what makes a seed grow, but this word grows. It has its own energy. It brings about its own future in your life and in mine. There's a life in the seed which grows and develops. There's tremendous hope here. Tremendous hope here. I mean, I, I, we all go through seasons of life where maybe you're in that right now. This is such a trying time for a lot of us. And, and you can't understand why the circumstances are the way they are. And what difference can it make whether you read your Bible today or not? Because you're not going to read it and find instantly your life transformed in one study. And so why bother? Because you get that into your heart and Jesus says, it starts to grow. It starts to grow. Remember as you humbly kneel during your devotional time and maybe you don't feel very blessed. You think about this, this little story, the time passes night and day, and that seed starts to germinate. Remember that when you don't see the immediate results you wish you saw. It's like planting grass seed. You don't go out the next day and have a lawn. But it's doing something. It's doing something. Okay, point number four. And this relates to the previous two verses. Mark 4, 28, growth is rarely, doesn't say, I'm not saying never, but it's rarely immediate and it's rarely explosive. That 28th verse, the earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. And what I hear Jesus saying in that story is dawn, Whatever you're looking for from the Lord, whatever you want to see unfolding from the word in your heart, the tendency will always be to quit too soon. I don't see something as quickly as I would like to see it. And so it's hard for me to believe that anything is happening at all. And that's the big mistake. It comes first the blade, then the ear then the full grain in the ear. Now, I can read that in about 15 seconds. That process takes months. This is what makes the disciplines of faith and perseverance so necessary in the Christian walk. I mean, crops don't just develop overnight. There's a time factor involved. There will be cultural opposition as you live your Christian life. I think it's getting more and more obvious that, that just as the gospel was birthed in a way that was countercultural and offensive, all but one of the original disciples, they were executed only because of their commitment to Christ. It hasn't changed. It's going to be like that. Luke says this, staying with it, uh, uh, giving the word chance to deepen the commitments of your heart, to change the affections of your heart. How it comes gradually in stages of growth. You have to stay with it. 
Well, there's a whole culture that pushes back in the opposite direction. Luke 21, 19 to 17, Jesus says, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. It takes endurance. It takes commitment. It takes don't quit too soon. Allow the word to keep working in your heart in the face of the kind of obstacles that grow in the soil of our own heart, like the desires of the heart, riches, the cares of this world, idolatry, the things under the surface, the rocks under the surface. So those are things in my own life that I have to keep dealing with ongoingly to let the seed of the word grow. And then there's also external opposition. Um, it's not going to be popular. It won't be popular at, at the university, the college, the school, the workplace. Maybe you're the only Christian in the home. There'll be a lot of pushback. And the same thing is needed. There's that perseverance. Continue. Keep trusting in the power of the word to keep changing your heart, giving you strength. Point number five, last point. God does great work through small beginnings. Look how Jesus wraps this up, this chapter, Mark 4, 30 to 32. And he, that's Jesus, said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Okay, so what's it like? What parable shall we use for it? It is like the grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is, is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. Again, notice the imagery, seed sown on the ground. He's still working with that original parable. When it's sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet, when it is sown, it grows up. Remember, it, Jesus' second story, the seed has life in itself. It just unfolds. Okay, so when it is sown on the ground, it's the smallest of seeds. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade. So, if the word doesn't always have immediate impact, if, if it takes perseverance, understanding the word, uh, being careful how you hear it, being careful that you do it and apply it to your life, and you have to do this over time, if all that seems like an incredible amount of work, there's the promise here that what starts off small grows into something very big, very dynamic. That there's, that there's hope beyond my own weakness, hope beyond my limitations. It's a, it's a tremendous story. It's a tremendous story of, of how the seed of God's word, it's one of the key things that brings about the growth and life of the kingdom in our heart. Make sure it gets sown into your heart. Don't leave it on the shelf. Make sure you're careful to hear what it says. Let it speak to you. Make sure you're careful to do what it says. Apply it immediately to your life. Make sure you're careful to remember that it grows like a little plant. It takes time. It takes discipline to stay with it. But when you do, what starts off very small has the power to turn into something very large. And as you behold the glory of the Lord, like Paul said, our lives are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And there just is no other path to kingdom glory in your life or in mine than the seed of the word. Let's pray, church. We do thank you for your word.
Thank you for the abundance of Bibles in our land. Help us to see your word as the treasure. The psalmist says it's more precious than gold. I pray for CW Community Church. There's things we can fix immediately. There's things we can't change immediately. What we can do is hear and apply your word in our hearts and see your kingdom unfold and grow and develop. Thank you for the power you've put in it. Help us to treasure your word, to honor your word, to live by your word in the face of all opposition. I ask it in Jesus' name and I thank you. Amen. Amen. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, keeping your joy. The heartfelt theology of an isolated prisoner. Paul writes that letter to the Philippian believers from prison. I want to talk to you about living a life worthy of the gospel. What does that look like? How do we do it? That'll be Sunday morning. At night, the last in our study of Jonah, when life seems to swallow you whole, how not to pray when your life seems to be in a mess. There's a right way and a wrong way, and that's what we'll be studying Sunday night. God bless you, church. Love one another and stay in the word.